You're listening to Tarot Talk, and I'm your host, Holly Ramey. I'm going to serve you some practical magic and give you tips and tools to bring the mystical into your everyday life. Hey everyone, and welcome to Tarot Talk. This is episode number 21, and I'm super excited to be sitting down today with Anais of Mystical Mandrake Root. Anais is an astrologer, a Plutonian priestess, an artist, a circle crone, an herbalist, and a tarot reader. Welcome, Anais. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Hello, everybody. So I found you through our friend, Jeff Hinshaw, and you are a New York City-based healer, witch, magical woman, and I was instantly drawn to your page. Um, I love your vibe and the offerings of um you do a lot of like tarot and or oracle readings on your instagram uh but i remember what really connected me was the way that you were describing uh the planets and each when you were doing your chiron series is when i found you (laughs) (laughs) and the way that you described chiron and taurus just really hit my heart and um One of the coolest things was I asked you, I sent you a DM and asked you like how I could learn more about that. And you sent me these books and they were like from the 60s, like old school books. (laughs) So I was wondering, I was going to ask a different question to start, but tell me a little bit about um, how did you find astrology? Was it something that was like, were those books passed down to you or? So... I found it. Um, it was a mix of two things. My mom was super into sun signs, hardcore into sun signs, um, like associated everybody with their sign. You know, she would say their name and then like their sign. <laughs> so it's like embedded. And even us, you know, like if we were doing something or, you know, we're just be like, oh, that's because your brother's an Aquarius. Or that's because you're a Pisces. You don't want to be bothered. You know, like it was like everything had the sign following it. So that already was like in our brains. Um, so I got super into sun signs. And, and then I got to high school and I was in the library because so I spent a lot of time there. And I found a book that talked about moon signs. And I was like, my mom never talked about this. What's this moon sign stuff? And then I was sold after that. And then astrology and me just entered our lifelong soulmate relationship from that moment forward. Wow. Um, as far as the books that I sent you, I'm really into old astrology books. Like, yeah. of course, I will say, because a lot of, a lot of the old ones, um, because of the time period, like, they, there are some that are just so intense and so dark, and other ones are, like, really problematic because of the way everything was, like, you know, put into a box or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's something about old astrology books that I'm just like obsessed about. There's some great modern ones too, but that's probably why I'm like, I'm not surprised. The ones I sent you were like from the sixties. <laughs> I couldn't even find a few of them. I was like, Whoa, these are old school. Like I pictured like your aunt, like your mother or your grandmother, like passing them down to you. Um, yeah. You I actually know? got a couple, a lot of them through gifts. Um, oh, cool. And then one I found, so the one that is um, the old 
book about aspects, which yeah, I don't know if you can find that anymore. And the Chiron book, I found those when I moved into my apartment before this one. Um, and I've been at both for a long time, but we moved in and there was like a bookshelf and there are like two astrology books on the shelf, not kidding. Um, and I was just like, and then, uh, who used to live there before I was my partner's friend. So we asked him, we were like, Oh, he's not into astrology. And he's like, those aren't my books. <laughs> so it's like they were just like waiting for me or something. The universe was like, and here's a welcome home present for Exactly. You. Like vintage <laughs> astrology books. <laughs> so I saw on your website that you had dedicated Mystical Mandrake Root to your mother. Is that yeah. because she inspired you to start learning astrology? Yeah, I mean, my mom was always, like, a really great cheerleader for me. Um, everything, even from, like, the way that I dressed and the fact that I was always really introverted. Because even as a kid, I didn't play with other kids. <laughs> like, I always felt like I was old already, if that makes sense. Like, I was just like, I'm a kid again. Like, what, what am I supposed <laughs> to do? Like, just run in the yard? I mean, <laughs> like... I always felt so out of place. And then I have very vivid memories of my mom being like, like people would always give her crap for it. And it's like, she doesn't talk. She doesn't do this. She doesn't like play with anybody. And my mom's like, there's nothing wrong with her. That's just the way she is. So she always just gave me a lot of room to be me. And um, I got into astrology and she was excited about it. Like um, all my spiritual magical work. At first she was a little weird about it because she was like borderline religious. Mm. Um. She went, uh, she went like on and off with it. So I say borderline. So at first she was kind of freaked out. Like, what's all these candles? What's that symbol? <laughs> but then quickly after that, she would be like, um, I think something's in the house. Could you cleanse it? So, <laughs> so she, you know, she switched sides. She was like, um, quick to get on board. Exactly. So just in general, so supportive. And um, I've been, you know, in my early 20s, I was already doing some mystical mentor group stuff, but not to the extent that I am now. Um, my Saturn return really put me into full gear. Mm. And then as far as um, like the ancestor work and the past life stuff that I do now more intensely, I always was drawn to it. But um, it's like after her passing, I just like, you know, it all kind of inspired me to like, you know, she was always proud of me. She always supported me. So why not go full speed with like what my vision is mm. for this? Mm -hmm. uh, so like, yeah, I think her every day, but putting that on the website too was also a way for me to be like, all right, like I put my feet more on the ground. It took this more seriously. Um, and so I know you're, I know you're watching and I know you would be proud kind of thing. Yeah. That's so beautiful to have her advocating for you at such a young age and it was nice I was lucky I know that's rare mm -hmm, definitely um I was really touched when I read your dedication to her um oh, thank you <laughs> and it put like a really beautiful image in my head of her even if it's funny because in my head I had an image of her like passing down these teachings to you but it's still even almost more beautiful that she handed you like just the confidence to be who you are and to do what you want to do, even if she didn't understand it. <laughs> she was like a secret, secret root, like root. Sure. Cause I mean, she had her religious stuff, but she like, I had like, she would uh, write stuff on paper and like fold it up. And I know people have heard the story before, but I used to get teased a lot in school 
And there was this one time she was like, asked me for the girl's name. She wrote something on a piece of paper. She was mixing this pot of herbs, like wouldn't tell me what she was doing. And then like gave me the paper and was like, put this in her backpack. She won't bother you again. The girl never bothered me again. My mom never told me what she did. But then she was like, oh, I don't know why you don't want to go to church with us. <laughs> you know, she was totally like a secret witch for sure. So <laughs> in a way, she definitely did pass it down to me because my yeah. mom was a root worker, even if she did not admit it. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was like her secret for some reason, but <laughs> she had her reasons. And yeah. she had confidence that you would find your own way to it as well. Exactly. <laughs> um, so tell us, I would love to know a little bit about just the name mystical mandrake root and like, what is a mandrake root and like, how do you connect to that? Yeah, definitely. So mandrake root is that beautiful, mysterious plant that's in like all that folklore stuff and um, the fantasy tales. And um, it's this, the root kind of looks like a human in like an abstract way, you know? Um, and there's just so much lore behind it. It's like used in like protection magic and love magic and all this stuff. And the whole, one of the tales about this root is I love the fact that the plant, like it chooses who picks it. Cause if you read old folklore, like if somebody would try to take it from the ground, like a, a scream, it would like admit this scream. Wait, like, talk about we, boundaries. Can we pause for a second? Is there a Harry Potter scene about this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's definitely in Harry Potter. <laughs> Amazing. So what you're thinking about, that is the plant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like, it was like screaming when they were trying yeah. to work with it. Exactly. But then like, if, if it's the right person and if the plant has an affinity with you, like you can just pick it up from the ground with ease and it won't scream. It won't do that. Um, and I remember growing up, one of my favorite things to read was like folktale and like lore from all over the world. I've always been super into that stuff. And I just always connected with that plant. And um, I fast forward all these years later, and I tried like 20 different names for what I do. Um, nothing ever stuck, nothing worked. And I was like, I guess I don't have a name. I don't know. And then during a beautiful session with a friend of mine, we like played their singing bowls. We had music, we drank some tea and we did some sigil work. And then through that exercise is how I got mystical mantric root and I got it tattooed on me. And that has been the name for it, for it and me like ever since. Wow. And how long has that been that you've been using working with that name? It's been a while now. Like I'm, I'm really bad at like pinpointing like numbers of years. It's probably because yeah. I'm like, Mercury and Pisces. I'm like, I don't know a while. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get the details there, but it's been a really long time. <laughs> I, so the first question I was going to ask you is if you were a Scorpio, um, because you, you have Plutonian priestess and yeah. but you also because your work seems very mysterious. Even your like vibe on Instagram. I'm like, so what does she do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My Plutonianist loves that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for the mystery. So yeah, I'm a Pisces. Um, leap year Pisces. And I am, um, you know, like a lot of us, 
that are know and are learning more about like dominance in your chart and everything like that, chart rulers. So Pluto's my chart ruler. Cool. It's my dominant planet. It pretty much tells everybody what to do. It rules the roost. Okay. And I have a Scorpio stellium. And my sun and Mercury are also conjunct in the eighth house, which is Scorpio's house. Wow. So I'm a Pisces for sure, but I am like a very Plutonian, Scorpionic Pisces. <laughs> oh, and so, then Pluto conjuncts my IC and my chart. So a lot of my life work and who I am as a person, I identify with the planet Pluto very strongly. So that I think also conveys in my work, which is also where Plutonian priestess came from. Because I, I see that as kind of like the vessel. Pluto is like the vessel from which I do a lot of my work. And for the listeners, can you tell a little bit about Pluto? Like what are, what are the main kind of characteristics associated with that planet? Yeah, definitely. So Pluto is the most common word we hear all the time is transformation, right? Um, but Pluto is also deeply about like self-mastery and growth and shedding and release. Uh, Pluto is like a gateway planet. So it's like you can think of a number of things like uh, um, belief systems and uh, religions or whatever. And they all have this aspect of some kind of a gate thing or like a gatekeeper or the crossroads. That's Pluto. You know, it's like we have to transition through Pluto when we have like really powerful life events and birth and death and like sexuality and coming into ourselves, um, reclaiming our power, all of that. Those are all Plutonian events in our lives. Okay. And so like that's the essence of Pluto. Um, Yeah, it's just like it's a really powerful, cathartic, transformative planet. It's it's like doesn't do things light. Yeah. (laughs) And it's an outer planet, right? So it moves it is. slowly through. It takes its time. It does take its time, yeah. So we just had that big Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, does the Did you feel that very deeply because you have so much Pluto in your chart? Very. Because <laughs> I feel Saturn strongly too because the thing is, um, like I have Pluto in Scorpio, but I also have... Saturn in Scorpio and my Mars is conjunct my Saturn in Scorpio. So I felt that transit so hardcore um, to like the root of my being to the point that it was like, I had all these ideas. It was a very visionary thing that's been opened now, Mm. but energetically intense. Like I had to just step away from the world because it was, I was feeling everything and like what other people were feeling, other people's anxieties and fears, like just everything. And I was like, no, time to retreat, go even deeper in the shell than I already go. Mm. I felt very, I've been feeling since that transit, a lot of internal pull, a very intense internal pull. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping it lightens a bit, but I know it's a long transit. I know. Yeah. It like, as we, I think as we move along in the year, hopefully it will lighten up a bit. Yeah. But yeah, I'm right there with you. It's intense. So I was like, I know I'm already like, I already hide, but I'm hiding even more. Yeah. <laughs> Until this calms down. The one thing that we were talking about before we hopped on together is um, <clears throat> I was telling you that I was going to ask you if you were a Scorpio and you have all this water energy and this kind of mysterious vibe. Um, and finding out you're a Pisces. And um, I always kind of, when I think of you, imagine this mermaid energy, which probably comes from this like deep water. Yeah. Um, 
But I also noticed just like the color violet as a theme on your page. And I've seen you in pictures with purple hair. Oh, yes. My violet hair. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to ask you what your... Do you have like a strong connection to that color? Do you work a lot with like the violet flame or amethyst or any of that? I do actually. um, And I think, yeah, since I was a kid, it was a favorite color. And I was drawn the amethyst immediately when I started working with crystals like I even you know and I'm an I'm a um, 80s baby so you know it wasn't like I could google the name of it like the first time I got an amethyst you know yeah. <laughs> just kind of those old dial-up computers who had time to sit there for 20 minutes to look up a stone <laughs> but I was just drawn to it so I would carry it around and I was like I really like this and I think I said to a friend too, I was like, oh, I, this feels like a Pisces stone. So when I found out <laughs> that Amethyst was, I was like, oh, awesome. Um, and I think I've always done a lot of work with the Violet Ray without, before even knowing what that meant. Mm. If that makes sense. It's just a natural resonance for me. Like, I feel like the color violet is just like me. Like, it's my soul. It's me. I understand it. I feel warm and comfortable in it. Um, and the purple hair is an extension of that. Like yeah. I always tell people, I wish my natural hair color was purple because it feels most aligned with me. Yeah. Um, and I know as me and you are talking right now, people can't see this. Like right now my hair is dark again. It's probably all that like Capricorn Saturn in the sky. I'm feeling really Saturn. Like I'm like, I'm going to go black again, <laughs> but I go purple like once a year cause I'm so connected to it. Um, mm-hmm. and even recently I got my aura photograph done for the first time. And it's all violet with some white. I, so I was like, that's even more proof that I always tell everybody that's my soul color. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny that you knew it from such a young age. I yeah. was, Purple was always my favorite color. And amethyst was also the first stone I ever bought for myself. Um, and you said it feels so warm. The first time I was ever introduced to the violet flame was my Reiki 1 attunement. And she did two attunements. She did the first one as a regular Reiki and the second one as a violet flame attunement. And afterwards she asked us how, what our experience was. And I described the violet flame attunement as a warm hug. Oh, I love that. It does feel like a warm hug, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And that's like funny because your personality has so much like warmth in it as well. And that's just like, it's like that purple violet flame just emanates from you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So I know you've been working a lot with astrology in like recently, um, but you also bring in tarot. So, and I love that when you offer on your Instagram, um, the pick a card that it has a little bit of everything. So you have a stone, you have a tarot card, but then you also have like an astrological deep dive. Um, It sounds like you started with astrology at a young age. Did you, um, when did you pull in tarot? So I pulled in tarot. um, I was always drawn to it, but didn't really pick it up. And it was college when I took the first step. Um, And I actually got into it because I, I've always been an intuitive person, but um, during freshman year of college, I just had some stuff go down that really made me shut off my intuition. I mean, it didn't help too that I wasn't like a really, where my college was, it's across the street from an old like psychiatric ward that was like crazy haunted. Was it? And, 
in Buffalo, New York. Yeah, okay. upstate New York. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure the dorm was too. So like that filled with some crazy personal life stuff. Like I just shut my intuition down. Mm. Could you imagine like as deep water as I am, I just shut it all down. I closed yeah. it off. And then I reached a point where I was like, I feel really empty without my, <laughs> my, my like intuitive spiritual side. Mm. And I just couldn't turn it back on. And then a friend of mine recommended that I get into tarot um, as a way to like get in touch with that, which is hilarious because that's what I do now too. And people reach out and they're like, I have a problem trusting my intuition. I'm like, you should get into some tarot. Yeah. <laughs> so it was that's advice for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's how I got started. Because like I said, I was drawn to it, but I didn't pick it up. And that was like, that was a beautiful experience for me. I picked it up and I connected like immediately and tarot has been in my life ever since. And even if I don't lead with it, it's part of everything that I offer and everything that I do. And I saw that you have these really cool offerings where you like do astrology and you incorporate tarot. And now you're starting to incorporate, like you were saying, past life and ancestral stuff. Tell me a little bit about that. How did your work kind of progress into past life stuff? Um, are you a medium? Like, can you kind of connect with ancestors that way? Um, I'm so yeah. by all that work. I um, So the work chose me. <laughs> That's like the quick answer. I've always been attuned to spirit realms since I was really young. Mm-hmm. Um, I met my first spirit guide when I was eight years old. I had three near-death experiences before I was 13 and I wasn't supposed to live when I was a baby. Um, So like talk about being a plutonium person. You also see it in my life events. Um, And like, I was named after the woman my mom met who told her that I would make it that nobody in the hospital saw. That's where I got my birth name from is this woman who is like probably this literal angel because nobody else saw her, even though my mom described her to a T so my, I'm even named after the spiritual <laughs> like events that just gave me chills. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had like heart issues. I was born three months early and I was not healthy at all. So, wow. and this woman just came in and told my mom to pray with her and I'd be okay. Um, so I started off with spirit immediately. That's probably why I always had a hard time connecting, like just being human. was <laughs> always hard yeah. for me. Because the other side is like, I, I understand that more. Um, so I was always involved in the work. I always saw energies and spirits and like, um, can talk and connect with them. And I never call myself a medium or a psychic because there's like, I don't know, it doesn't feel right to me. And there's also like so much pressure with that. Like people want you to predict things. And I'm really not for prediction work. Like I even stated in my disclaimer Um, And it's great. I'm not knocking it. Like the people that do it are awesome. They're providing a service for people that do it ethically and do it right. Yeah. But I don't advertise myself that way. So I definitely have like some deep gifts. Um, I'm strongly like clairsentient. That's like the main thing. Um, I definitely can sense stuff and hear them, but it's not something I'll ever advertise for like a predictive sense or anything, but it, it does help me really drop in, in my readings. Yeah. And clairsentient is when you feel in your body. Yeah. yeah. That's what I identify with the most as well with Reiki. It's like feeling it in my body. Um, yeah, same thing. And then I, um, and then I just forgot you had a second part of that question. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so then that the past life stuff came 
naturally too, because I have a lot of memories. Um, and I knew I wasn't making them up. So when I, I actually got, I got a Akashic records, um, for, done for myself in my early twenties. And then right away, like so much came up that confirmed what I felt my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I knew I was feeling past lives. I'm not crazy. Like I knew this was coming from somewhere. And then I would do normal tarot readings for people and I would get past life stuff. And I was like, it just keeps coming in. Like, I guess this is yeah. part of my work. So it chose me. The past life stuff came in really strong. And then one day I sat down and was like, I'm going to make a separate offering for this because it keeps happening. Yeah, totally. And it can be overwhelming to be flooded with like all that information. Definitely. So my guides, they work hard. I'm just like, uh, the gates are closed. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it funny when you feel like they're like knocking on your head, like, hey, (laughs) we're not going to go away. Exactly. (laughs) Was it... um, scary for you how did it feel at a young age to be so connected to the spirit realm and to know your guides and see energy and stuff like that it felt actually really comfortable to me Mm. um to be totally honest like being a kid and being a teen was really hard for me and that was uncomfortable even as an adult like being a human adult is uncomfortable (laughs) but when I'm just like in my zone doing spiritual work I feel at home like I'm really aligned with it it feels very natural it's just this human business like I don't know (laughs) like being human is way scarier (laughs) exactly I'd rather hang out with like my like Odishas and spirit guides and ancestors but it's like just being a human and like the modern world I'm like ah (laughs) I can totally relate (laughs) so I was wondering if you could just like talk a little bit about or like walk through what it would look like to receive like an ancestral healing or a past life is it done with like healing energy like Reiki is it done through tarot cards like what does that actually look like for someone coming in to see you so I don't do in-person sessions. Okay. Um, it's another thing that's a decision that I came towards because like, and also too, just with the way my chart's set up, I'm very sensitive. I'm a lot of water. I feel a lot of things. I mean, thank, thank the goddess for my Aquarius moon <laughs> to give me a barrier. <laughs> but um, like in, in person, it's just too intense for me. And I work better in my own space. Like say I can take an hour cleansing and setting up and picking the right crystals. Like I I work better that way. I need to really just sit in the ritual of it. So that's why I do them through um, like PDFs um, or if people like request, like if they want like an audio of me speaking instead, I'll do that. So they're all remote. Oh, very cool. And um, I use, I can use uh, either just the tarot as um, a guide Mm-hmm. Or I can use a, uh, the tarot plus the astrology chart and I kind of drop in with it. So say I'll have a chart in front of me plus the tarot cards and then maybe a set of questions that they sent me. And then I'll just like drop in from there and just like sit in that space. And then I just write it all down. I write down everything that comes through and then I take some space away from it. I come back to it and then I organize it into like a readable PDF <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then like again about process and I step away I take another grounding break and then I edit it and then I'll send it to the person wow so that's a lot of work that goes into one session and like your preparation and 
the, but I love that you've created it in such a way that like really works with who you are and like your boundaries and what you need. Cause I feel like that's one of the hardest parts of doing this kind of work is like knowing where you end <laughs> and <Yeah>. the other <laughs> person begins and then exactly. also making sure that you don't take any of that home with you. Exactly. Um, and then that's why creating the ritual for it is so important. And that's another reason why I offer very limited amounts each month. Um, and I also have a consult consultation with the person to see if I feel right even reading for them. Yeah. Um, because those two steps are crucial and then they make the work easier too, because me and the person are aligned, my guides and their guides are cool and I can drop in and do the work. So all the pre-work for it, like consultation, finding out the vibe, all of that also makes the other part really easy. So when you do a consultation, have you ever had to say to someone like, hey, I don't think that we're aligned for this yeah. together? Yeah. yeah. Is that difficult? Like, do people take that hard? <laughs> um, I don't, I feel like it's hard. I guess in, in being an intuitive person, yeah, you can feel when it's hard for a person to, but I'm also, thankfully, I have really strong boundaries. So like a no is a no for me. Yeah. Um, and I have to listen to that because it's like, as readers, even if someone's like, I just want a general tarot reading, we are still holding space. We are still tapping in. Like it is important that we're also not mixing and interacting with an energy that doesn't feel right to us. Yeah. Whether it's a general tarot reading, a general astrology chart, past life, whatever it is, like our role is like, we, we also have to protect our space and our energy. So when I have to say the no's, I have to say them, but I don't hold on to it. You know, I'm not, um, I can't let myself dwell on it. I just have to listen to it. I have to be like, I don't feel right reading for this person. Yeah. And then I just, I'll just write them and be like, I'm sorry. I don't think we can work together, but good luck finding someone that best suits you, you know? And I leave it at that. Yeah. I wish I would have come to the Anaya School of Boundary work before I began <laughs> because I learned a lot of those lessons the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite grounding techniques um I love the sound of drums mm. it like deeply like drums I feel them in my bones so I actually have two drums um and they're both painted with two of my um animal guides one has an eagle and a green mamba on it because they came to me together so they're a pair and then the other one has a raven and that is my absolute favorite grounding thing. And I also really resonate with rosemary. So I burn rosemary and I play my drum. That's so beautiful. And I have to get barefoot. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, a, is raven a grounding symbol? Uh, raven's super protective. And I think as someone that's so watery, like that's just a beautiful protection animal to have. Uh, that's a selfish question because I live on Ravenwood Drive and there's oh, yeah? <laughs> all over my my block. Wow. And I've never done work in my home before, but when we moved here, I started offering moon ceremonies and sessions out of my home. And it feels okay, which is like that's so great. Cool. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're super protective and they're always around too. And yeah, I work from home and I hear them and I'm always like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, they're also deeply connected to mystery and divination work. So as a reader, I mean, if ravens are around, it's, you know, they're looking out for you. <laughs> yeah. That makes me have so much more appreciation appreciation for finding it and when I when I found this house as soon as I stepped out into the driveway I was like this is I looked at my phone it was 111 and I was like this is our house wow I love all the signs yeah (laughs) it was so cool um and the grounding question was also a little bit selfish because I have no I have very little earth in my chart at all I'm pretty much all air and fire So I'm always interested in hearing about grounding techniques. Do you have a lot of earth in your chart? Not technically, but in like secondary ways. So for example, um, I have my Jupiter and Capricorn, which is really strong. Mm. Um, And my Neptune is in Cap. So I have like these two outer energies. I definitely very much feel the Jupiter and Capricorn. Um, And I'm a Taurus Midheaven. Oh, which cool. is super strong. <laughs> Even though I wouldn't admit it at first in my 20s, I was like, I don't get my Taurus Midheaven. And then I got into my 30s and I was like, I'm hardcore Taurus Midheaven. <laughs> so that was a funny flip on my own about my own astrology. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, I would say, because yeah, I, so that's the secondary ways, because I don't have anything in my second house, which is an earth house. I don't have anything in my sixth. Um, and my Chiron's in my 10th too, like in Taurus. Hmm. So that gives some more earth. So in those like secondary ways that are still present in the background, I have some earth, but at first I would look at my chart and I'd be like, there's no earth in here. Like, where is it? (laughs) The first astrology reading I ever had was with Deborah Silverman. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Yeah. She was like, girl, you got no earth. Like, you need to learn how to ground yourself. <laughs> it was, like, the first lesson I ever had. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I must do this. And now 10 years later, I'm still, like, always. It takes some work, you know? It's like, it wasn't always easy for me. And boundaries weren't either, which is, like, a surprise to people sometimes. Because I'm very queen of swords. But it wasn't always like that. Like, I was, like, hardcore, like, giving, giving, giving. Like, no boundary queen of cups for uh, most yeah. of my life. And boundaries were really difficult for me to learn. And I have to credit my Saturn turn. I mean, it kicked my butt, but man, I got my stuff together. And a lot of my boundary stuff, I mastered after my Saturn turn. Mm, Yeah. Speaking of that, I wanted to ask you, you just brought up like Queen of Swords, Queen of Cups. Um, I wanted to ask you if you had to pick a tarot card for like this year or this season of life that you're in right now, like who do you feel like, or what do you feel like you're most in? I feel like I'm like (laughs) stuck between two cards. I would probably say I'm feeling very hangman for sure. Cause there's a lot of, um, I'm somebody that really values knowing my plan and what's next for me. Um, that's probably my Jupiter and Capricorn. I'm not big on surprises. I'm not big on like, I'm just going to take the leap and see what happens that plus a tourist midheaven, like that makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so I usually always have an idea of where I'm going. And I really don't this year, which is really kind of unsettling for me. Mm. Um, 
but I don't feel stuck. It's more just kind of like, ah, this is a little scary, but I'm trusting that I'm going the right way. So I feel kind of like I'm in between the chariot and the hangman, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm right in between both of those cards right now. That's such an interesting kind of liminal space. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Just hanging out, waiting to see what happens. Exactly. I'm just hanging out with one on either side. I'm like, so... (laughs) what's next (laughs) actually um the next question that I was going to ask you is like what um is do you have a specific focus for yourself now um after because you've been doing this for like you're young but you've been doing this for such a long time and that's like one of the coolest things when I talk to astrologers is almost or so many people have been drawn to it at a young age um Mm -hmm. So it's like, you've been working in this complex system and it's such an overwhelming and complex system to me. It is. I mean, that's why I always say, I will never call myself a professional astrologer Um, because there's just so much to learn. Astrology is so vast that like, I'm still a student. I'm a guide who uses astrology. It's the language I speak in, but I'm still a student and I'm always going to be a student. Yeah. And do you um, mentioned a few teachers. Did you like go and, stu- and take courses and do a lot of like practical study in astrology as well? I did towards the end, the middle and to the end of my 20s. It was all just me. And I used to have this book, which was uh, I would keep cycles of the sun and moon signs that were in my life. <laughs> I actually still have the book. It's really funny. Um, and I refer back to it sometimes and I'm like, what was going on that year that I was hanging out with all these like fill in the blanks, <laughs> but yeah, it was just a personal thing for a long time. Yeah. And I've always been a deep self-study person. I love picking up something and learning on my own. Um, but I didn't have a official teacher until my mid twenties when I worked as, um, an assistant for one. Mm. and I was just doing her like email correspondences and stuff like that. And I got to take all her courses and yeah, her sun signs Taurus, which is my midheaven. So it makes sense that she really opened up this world for me. Yeah, And it was like amazing. I worked for her for a couple of years and I learned so much. It was like an astrology crash course in a more like serious way, because before that I would go to astrology meetups and stuff like that, but it was all casual. And working for her just changed everything. I was like, oh no, I'm like in this now. Yeah. Did it kind of give you permission to like do the work then and start like offering readings? And It did. Because even though I, thanks to Chiron and Taurus, I doubt myself a lot. Well, I'm (laughs) the same Chiron and Taurus. (laughs) Especially with it being in my 10th house. So come on. Like, even though people always resonated and I know that I know what I'm talking about, but that Chiron issue, I would always just be like, who am I to be like offering readings to people and charging them? You know, like mm-hmm. who am I to do that? And that work with her and her encouragement, which again is hilarious because her son signs my Chiron sign. Same mm-hmm. as my mom. My mom was also a Taurus really helped encourage me to like, she was like, you're an astrologer. Like you're already doing this. Like, what are you afraid of? Like, <laughs> Just like do it. I look up to a lot of Taurus people too. And I find myself like being actually kind of like envious of a lot of Taurus people. Um, And I think 
maybe that's because my Chiron is there, but I'm just like, oh man. I, so I look at a lot of Taurus people and I'm like, I wish I had like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, or I wish I let myself do that and enjoy that, you know? Definitely. Um, yeah. They, they've definitely been some of the most inspirational teachers I've come across in my life, which makes so much sense for a Chiron placement. Yeah. How, what would you recommend for someone like, even someone like me who, um, is fascinated by astrology is like kind of read a few books, um, read the basics, but wants to learn more about like charts and aspects and how to relate like your birth chart to what's happening now. Like, how did you learn that? So I would probably say it's like, since everybody's learning style is different, it's hard to give advice for that, you know, because yeah. everybody responds so differently. Um, but like working with your immediate environment is like the easiest way to go first, you know? So it's like, get familiar with your chart. And then once you're familiar with your chart, start to look up transits. What do transits mean? You don't have to focus on all of them. You could just do like, I'm going to stick with Mercury and Venus transits and just get familiar with that, you yeah. know? Then do the chart of your best friend or your partner or your husband or your mom or something. And yeah. when I was learning too, like my family, I, I got in everybody's birth info. I was like, all right, give it to me. I need all the information. And then I had my friends and my family and that was my core learning group for years, you know? And then you start to venture out and um, you can test your skills with that, you know, with their charts and then celebrity charts are so easy to find and we see them living out in front of us. Right. So we can see yeah. like these, real life manifestations of the energy studying their charts and stuff could be a cool tool, especially transits. Cause they're like living their life in front of cameras. Right. Yeah. So that can give you a better idea of like, Oh, that's what a Mars transit could be like, you know, for something like that. So how um, do you even look up it? So you can look up a transit, right? Just yeah. on like the same way you would look up a birth chart. You just pull up yeah. a transit chart. Okay. And I would probably say the easiest thing, especially now the time period we're in, is like having an astrology app on your phone that offers transits. Okay. That's honestly the easiest, best way to learn. Because books are great too. Like I have three bookshelves. That tells you how much I love books. Yeah. <laughs> but the apps that give you access to aspects are great because you can learn whenever. Like say you have five minutes while you're waiting for your coffee. Um, and then by reading the app and it's like, oh, today you have a Mars this. And it's like, oh, well, let me look that up more. What does a try mean? So I love apps that offer that because it's accessible and it gives you a place to start. Cool. What's your favorite app? Because I've actually heard a lot of like shit, like I've heard a lot of shit talk about like, you know, CoStar and the pattern and it's too broad and they can't really, you know, um, what's your favorite app? I would say, so I like the visual of co-star mm -hmm. but the chart method they use changes my chart in a way that doesn't resonate with me oh so I deleted it okay. um because I was like that's not me like I am very much my chart in the method that I use so like in that method it changed my placements and I was like that's not me delete and that's so <laughs> confusing too when like you you know I was using one system and then I bought a course with Chani and she was using whole sign houses and everything shifted and I was like yeah. I can't deal with this <laughs> yeah that's actually a great thing to bring up because the thing with the chart methods is it can change things so like and I was just having a conversation about this last night with a really dear friend of mine um like my advice for that is like find 
Because the thing is, you know your chart. You're living out that chart. It's like this astrological agreement for you. So say you have two methods in front of you and one puts you as a seventh house sun person and one puts you as eighth. But you're like doing deep media mystic work and you're an artist and like you're, you're into like freaking, I don't know, like Kundalini and like sexual empowerment. That eighth house chart's probably your chart. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, know? you have to trust your intuition. Exactly. So I would say like for chart methods, choose the one that resonates with you. That's the best way to go. Because I know it can get very confusing. Yeah. And whole signs too, it changes my chart in a way that doesn't resonate with me. It shifts my eighth house stuff to seventh. And I am completely an eighth house person. Yeah. So I don't use whole signs for me, but I have whole sign clients. So yeah. it's oh. really just picking the one that, That's and I know how to read for all of them. So it's just like, choose the one that best resonates with That's you. That's really good advice because it's, it's hard. And it's, you know, sometimes whole signs can be nice when you're learning and you don't have to figure out how to split two it's very nice if you're beginning definitely because it's all just like so much cleaner without the device so you can just look at it and you're like oh okay but I totally sympathize it is very confusing once you learn there's other chart methods and you're like wait a minute I thought my Venus was here yeah (laughs) it's such a complex system yeah um what aspect of your healing either personal or as a collective, um, do do you feel really drawn to at this time? Is there any like theme or? Um, I think, well, it's not so much an aspect of healing. It's more like um, stepping more into where I feel like I'm going. So like we've talked about a lot, I'm already like this deep introvert, right? But um, I do really like love and know I'm here to like, help and hold space for people and stuff. So I know that the next level of wherever I'm going does involve more group work Mm. and involves more collaborations. And as such an intense introvert, it was always hard for me to accept that because I'm just like, I want to do my thing alone. (laughs) But then I have my North Node's in the 11th house in Gemini. So it can't be any any louder that I'm supposed to move towards group work. (laughs) So that's one of the things that I'm like taking accountability for this year. It's like, okay, I know this is important. I know I'm drawn to it. I'm going to reach out to people and I'm going to make it known that I'm looking for collaborations and I'm going to step into this now. I'm going to step into it because it's where I'm going. Yeah. I'm an Aries with Libra rising and I feel like that's a, also been a big call for me is to learn that like to step out of my like independent nature and in yeah. working with each other and community and collaboration have been huge intentions for me this year. Um, and I saw that you were doing this really cool collaboration um, on your site. And now I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit? Oh, is it, um, is it the Rites of Passage? Yeah. Later this year? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's great. So um, it's going to be like, they've done it before. Um, and I, I put information for it in my link tree on my Instagram too. That's so. Right. Anything I can't elaborate perfectly here, just go to Instagram, press link tree and go to Rites of Passage. You're going to get all the details. Cool. <laughs> so it's pretty much, it's a collective of women. Um, and what I love about this time around, it's all women of color. 
mm-hmm. which is really important um, to me. And like, we're going to be creating like it's this house and it's, it's going to be a house full of like art and interactive rooms and like to evoke this experience. And the whole theme of it is healing. So each room has a theme but they all tie together through healing and um, the project's still coming together. So I don't have exact details yet or what room I'm going to be associated with, mm. but I'm really excited for it. Cause talk about calling in collaborations yeah. and then getting an email about that. And I'm like, <gasps> and it's also a challenge because I've never worked with like a live healing art interactive experience before. So this is like brand new territory for me, but you know, when you feel something's a yes in your gut really strongly, even though it scares the crap out of you, like that's how I felt about this. I was like, I've never done that before, but I know this is a yes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And also just that you set that intention and then that came through so shortly after. Yeah. So I'm terrified. I'm not going to lie. I've never done this before. I'm an artist on my own. I paint, I write, but like, to like help co-create a room. I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm excited. Yeah. It looks really amazing. So, um, well, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me today and just tell us a little bit about your experience. Um, I cannot wait to dive a little bit deeper into astrology and I thank you for your offerings um you put so much time and um you can tell like the intention that you put into your posts and they're so informative and they really helped me to like understand this complex system a little deeper and like want to be able to dive into it a little bit more Thank Um, you. That means everything to me because, you know, that's important to me. I want, I take my time with it. I know I'm not on social media a lot. I know I'm really private, but when I sit down and do stuff, something that's an offering, I put my all into it. So hearing that always makes my heart very full. (laughs) It is. And whenever you do a pick a card, like it's always just what I need to hear. And then the fact that you relate it to astrology, just like I always look up my chart and look at what, you know, planet, what sign that's in, what's going on there for me. And it just gives me a lot of guidance and it's, yeah, that makes me happy. (laughs) Um, Tell the listeners a little bit, um, just like where they can find you, if there's any offerings you have coming up and all of that stuff. So uh, you can find your elusive Plutonian mermaid <laughs> um, like on Instagram is really kind of the quickest way because you can just stay in tune with what I'm doing at a really leisurely, like calm way. Um, so I would recommend that. It is set on private because, you know, energetic boundary protection, but, you know, just like send in a request and I'll add you. Um, the only people I usually don't add is if like the picture or bio looks kind of suspicious, like mm-hmm. I don't add those. So if you are someone that say you're just also very Plutonian and you don't have an icon picture, like send me a message so I know you're not sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> but if it looks sketchy immediately, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to add this. So yes, Instagram is an easy way to get in touch with me. Um, everything's in the bio. My link tree will give you links to anything I have coming up. Um, I have some more collaborations coming up this year, but details on those to come. Uh, nothing that I can share right now. And then last, I also have a Patreon and a membership there is also a really great way to stay in tune with me and 
my writings and offerings and stuff like that. Awesome. Thank you so much. And wishing everybody out there a beautiful new moon in Aquarius. Beautiful new moon, everybody. New moon (laughs) blessings. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone, welcome to the second portion of the show. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mystical Mandrake Root, and I am so excited to give you this tarot forecast for the new moon in Aquarius. Um, I don't know about you, but that last full moon was super intense for me, and um, even this whole week of the waning and dark moon period really brought up a lot of shadow work and a lot of deep release for me. So um, if you've been following along on my Instagram, you see that I posted a card every day for this week and they've all been deep in that shadowy moon energy and cups and priestess. So we've been really going deep this week and I'm excited for what this new moon in Aquarius is bringing through. Um, Aquarius is an air sign and it's this really beautiful kind of collective energy. It governs over technology and like really um, connecting and collaborating on like a high, high level. Um, And all of the kind of beauty and unity that comes with that and then all of the, you know, kind of shadow and isolation that can come with that as well. Um, But I really feel like the the new moon energy coming through is uh, just it's going to offer us a lot of um, of movement and opportunity to just up level and bring ourselves uh, to the table in a more authentic way. So before I jump into the reading, if you are here in Nashville and you are interested in uh, celebrating some ceremony and ritual around the new moon, I have a new moon ceremony Friday in the evening. It's at six o'clock. It's in East Nashville. Tickets are available online on my site, hollydramey.com backslash events. And um, I'm also offering a new course. It's going to happen here in person in Nashville. I'm still pinning down the location and the dates. I'm hoping to get that done within the next 48 hours. It is a womb healing workshop. It is going to be a four week workshop where we go deep into the cycles. This is our moon cycle, our menstrual cycle. This is a a healing ceremony slash informational workshop where I'm going to give you a lot of education around each phase of your cycle, how that links up to the moon phase that you're in, um, and different types of lifestyle tools that you can use to optimize that phase for yourself, including, um, 
exercise and food and all of the things that we can use as medicine. I'm going to incorporate many of the healing practices that I've used throughout the last 10 years um, to help heal the second chakra. Uh, The second chakra is very much related to our desire, our pleasure, our emotions, our womb, our matriarchal lineage, and I think that we all as women... um, and not even just women, because it's the feminine energy in general, um, have had and experienced a lot of suppression, but women also a lot of shame, shame, not only around our bodies and our cycles, um, but also, uh, just the suppression that we have had to deal with over, uh, thousands of years of patriarchy and, um, how we can empower ourselves around that by reconnecting with our bodies and by um, incorporating some more ancient practices uh, used around our cycles. So you don't necessarily have to be having a cycle. Um, Even if you're more in your crone years, it is imperative that we Um, do work to heal this because when we do, we uh, pass this on to the future generations and so that they can um, move from a place of shame and taboo into a place of empowerment. All right. So um, that's going to start hopefully the week of the new moon in February. So the last week of February and the first three weeks of March. So stay tuned. I'll be giving you more details um, on locations and dates for that. Okay, you guys. Thanks for listening to those announcements. Let's move into the reading. I did something a little bit different in terms of my spread. Um, I'm always pulling a little bit of a different spread, but this week I did um, the spread that I use in one-on-one readings, which is Mind, Body, Spirit, Past, Present, Future, which was taught to me by my teacher. So Mind, Body, Spirit is our mind, what is in the forefront of our minds, our ego. Body is physical body, but also unconscious, Um, and then Spirit is super conscious, higher conscious, Um, and then past, present, future. So we have like what's going on internally and then the external reflection of that. So let's start in the position of mind. I pulled the liminal space card. No one is coming for you. And it's actually a picture of an astronaut floating in space. And I pulled this for myself. um, I think it was the full moon or the new moon before that. And it's just basically a card about... um, that fantasy that we can have, right? That someone's going to come rescue us. Someone or something is going to come rescue us from our our current situation. That some external circumstance, external person is going to make everything better. And it's, to me, this card is a really beautiful, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a slap across the face. It's a little bit of a wake up. Um, I think, they say in the guidebook something like let go of your performative misery like there's no more reason to perform there's no 
there's nothing to fucking prove to anyone. And the more that you try to exacerbate or blow up your situation or your feelings or whatever it is to perform for someone else, uh, it's not going to get you anywhere. No one's coming to save you. The only person that is coming to save you is yourself. And so let go of any unnecessary drama. And like, you know, for me, I I can see this. I can see some of my codependent tendencies. I can see how I can um, make my emotions a little bit bigger for my partner because I want to make sure that he sees it and get a little bit of validation. Um, and so whatever ways this comes up for you, uh, and, and it is, it's coming up for you. You're becoming aware of it because it's in the mind. It's, it's moving into your consciousness. Um, what actions are you taking to uh, perform a little bit for others? Where are you trying to prove yourself? We've, it's time to let go of that. There's no more people pleasing. This is not necessary anymore. <laughs> save yourself the drama and go ahead and save yourself, right? Stop asking others to carry your own emotional luggage and stop projecting your own shit onto other people and situations, no one's coming to save you. You've got to do it on your own. There's a little bit of grief in this, okay? When I realized no one was coming to save me, that meant that I had to grieve for the wounded inner child in me that wanted to be saved, that wanted someone to show up and see me the way I wanted to be seen. Um, and so if you've been feeling a little bit of that grief, honor it. Uh, it's a necessary part of your healing and your growth. In body, I'm pulling forgiven. And it's time. It's time to forgive. It's time to forgive ourselves. It's time to forgive others, especially the ones that we've been performing for, especially the ones that we've been asking to come and save us, the ones who we've been projecting our own shit onto. Um, it's time to forgive ourselves for that. And it's time to ask them for forgiveness as well. Uh, forgiven is a beautiful message, but it's not something that happens all at once, right? It's not like we're like, okay, forgive myself. I move on. Forgiveness is a practice. It's something that needs to be done over and over and over again until eventually we heal. Um, Tara Brock, is, as you guys know, if you've been listening for a while, one of my favorite teachers of forgiveness. Go on her website or listen to her podcast. She has tons of talks on forgiveness. She has tons of meditations on forgiveness, and they're beautiful, and they work. <laughs> um, they take time, but they work. And one of the things she offers is the willingness to forgive, because sometimes we're not always ready to, um, but we can be willing to. And that is a huge difference. And she also talks about forgiveness in terms of like, it's not letting people off the hook. It's letting ourselves off the hook so that we stop carrying grief and resentment in our hearts. And it gives us freedom. Okay. In spirit, I'm pulling snip, snip. And it's just a pair of scissors, right? And, and with it for a clarifier, I pulled the two of cups, um, First of all, I just did a year ahead spread 
uh, for a client and in their position for February, I pulled these exact two cards. Um, and February is right coming up, right? And these are the exact two, this card combination for us as well with this new moon. So baby J, if you're listening, um, I'm literally shooketh by <laughs> the fact that you have lined up with the collective here, but you can't make this stuff up. You guys, it's magic. And snip snip is an, an and I even said this in the reading, I was like, it's not just like this cord cutting, like fuck this toxic shit, bye. Um, there's forgiveness in it as well. Snip Snip is releasing what is standing in our way of the two of cups, what is standing in our way of the balance between give and receive of love, of true intimacy, right? Um, and so whether we're cutting out actual people or whether we're cutting out old narratives and patterns that have been keeping us from this balance, something is being released here. Something is being cut out and released. And maybe it's that that resentment, right? Maybe it is the things that have been our own habitual patterns that have been holding us back, right? The opposite of interdependency, right? That the two of cups speaks of is codependency. So it can be the ways that we have been looking for someone to fucking save us, for someone to fill the cup that we should have been filling on our own, there's no more of that now. It's time to cut it away and, and to do it by honoring the part of ourself that felt needy. It's a reparenting, right? We have to learn to fill our own cup, but in order to do so, we have to let the part of ourselves that needs, that needs attention get that attention, right? We can't disassociate from it anymore. We can't push it down. We can't ask other people to tend to what we're not willing to tend to within ourselves. We're being asked now to cut away these narratives that are holding us back from finding this freedom within union. True intimacy is not possible without vulnerability, okay? And and true vulnerability has to start from within. It has to start with you and you. We have to be vulnerable enough to feel the feelings that we didn't want to feel. We have to be vulnerable enough to address the parts of ourselves that are seeking something and, and ask them what they need and then give it. And by them, I mean our inner child, of course. Okay. Um, past, present, and future is in, in the past, I'm pulling queen of pentacles reversed, um, you know, and she's right underneath. No one is coming for you. And it's just like, it's, it, it's what held us back from stability, from security, from standing really firmly on our own two feet, because it, it's the boundary that we weren't able to set. So we keep giving up, giving up, giving more than we should instead of enacting a solid boundary. So that that resentment isn't there anymore because we're no longer giving what we don't have, right? And so Queen of Pentacles in past is like allowing us to create those solid boundaries so we know where we end and another person begins. 
We can do what we need and care for ourselves first before we start trying to care for others. And we can stop any of that kind of fixing that we've been doing and then expecting that fixing to happen back in return, right? Because we're taking now responsibility for ourselves. In um, present, I'm pulling the seven of swords reversed, which, you know, this like relates a lot to no one is coming for you. It's like... Seven of Swords reversed is asking us to give up the illusions, the illusions that like something or someone is somehow better than us. It's the illusion that the capitalism like sells us every single day that if we just buy this thing, this product, adapt this lifestyle, this diet, this fucking face cream, whatever the fuck it is, um, then like we're going to be happy or our lives are going to be better one day. Or we look at these people in these boxes on Instagram and we think that like that's the whole story. And it's just like, no, it's not. You can't just compartmentalize yourself and like only show the good because that's not the whole story. And we all, there's something else behind it and we can't like buy in to that illusion. And it's just like, I can't tell you what your illusion is. I can't tell you, but what like the themes of this card that come up are, um, FOMO, right? So what gives you FOMO? Where do you feel like you're missing out? Jealousy, comparison, envy. These are all lies that that you're telling yourself that you're buying into or that like society is telling you and you're actually buying into it. Like where do you think that you're not enough? Where are you lying to yourself and telling yourself that you need to do something to be better in this one area? It's all about this feeling of unworthiness, this feeling that you need to have someone else or something thing else come and save you. And it's simply not true. it's like, I'll drag myself here a little bit. Um, like I can tell you one of mine is like, I've created a narrative in my head that because I can't afford the school, I want my daughter to go to that. I am a terrible fucking mother. And like, I really, really have bought into that over the last few weeks. And I've given myself a lot of grief and a lot of heartache over the fact that I can't, um, do this thing. And I've created a story about that, what that means about who I am and who I am as a mother and a caregiver. And when I look at other mothers and caregivers that are able to do this, I feel bad about myself. I feel jealous. I feel resentful. Um, And it's not true. It's not true. I can advocate for my daughter no matter what school she goes to. This is not indicative of who I am, but I really allowed myself to play into that story. And and then this new moon, it's like, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. You got to check it. You've got to check yourself. Because I don't want to approach this situation feeling guilty. I don't want to model that guilt to my daughter, make her feel that she has to seek some kind of perfectionism um, in order to be worthy of love. She's going to love me no matter what school she goes to. And she does not at all at three years old know the difference between Montessori and the parents' day out that she's at. So it's like I have imposed this grief and the shame on myself by buying into this idea that this illusion that I, I am not a good mom because of this thing. So 
So this is just an example, right, of some of the ways that we can kind of take on this narrative. And then there's the swords, right? So it is. It's the ego. It's the narrative that we play. It's a story that we play uh, about how we're not living up to our own expectations or we're comparing ourselves to others. And it's just, it's not needed anymore. We're done with it. I pulled as a clarifier, so be it. It's just like, we're done here. <laughs> snip, snip. Cut it out, burn it, and so mote it be. Okay, in future I'm pulling the king of wands reversed with the enemy of intuition is self-doubt. And so it's like we have to walk into our power now. It's time. As we cut, cut, snip away these old narratives, as we let go of these illusions, of this jealousy, of this envy, of this fear of missing out, as we forgive and release and take just radical responsibility for our own feelings and we save ourselves, then we get to step in to our power. Then we get to see the ways that we've let self-doubt just sabotage our own intuition. And the thing about the the king of wands is that like he can manifest whatever he wants. He can he can ground his fire. It's a lightning bolt inside of his body. It's like this 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 fire is being grounded. So he is this catalytic manifestation, right? We can take our ideas and our desires and our pleasures and bring them into into reality. And it's through not believing in the narrative of our own self-doubt, right? We've got to cut that out. We've got to snip it away. Um, And so in future, I see this really exciting time of really being able to allow our intuition and create space for it and trust it and have the actual confidence to believe in ourselves. So this is a really awesome, beautiful energy to be stepping into. I'm actually really excited about it. Um, I'll link that meditation that I love by Tara Brock up on the uh, show notes. And I'm wishing you guys a beautiful new moon energy stepping into Aquarius season. I know January was a little bit of a drag for some of us, um, but it looks like February is going to start out on a high note. So um, excited to see what this this cycle brings for all of us. Um, I am pulling daily cards now on my Instagram. So if you want to follow along, um, follow me there. And uh, let me know how you're how you're uh, vibing with the cards that I'm pulling. I'm always happy to hear your experience. Um, if you like this podcast, please share, please uh, rate it or write a review. It just helps other people find me. Um, you can also uh, create a small donation through Anchor FM. Um, and I thank you guys for listening. New moon blessings, and I'll catch up with you soon. Take care.